Did you know that anytime you leave a rating for The Lapse on iTunes, it instantly shoots up the rankings and it helps way more people find the show? For real, give it a try. Go to iTunes, type just about anything you like in the review box and hit submit. And I swear, if you do it and your friend who's listening to this does it, it can actually mean tens of thousands of new eyes on this show instantly. It'll take you 30 seconds. And I'll tell you what, if it's a really nice review, I'll read the top three at the end of the next episode. By the way, maybe you've heard this before, maybe even from me, but the only reason that this show exists at all, full stop, do not pass go, is because of the incredibly kind people who support me and the show that I love to make for you at patreon.com slash the laps. I know giving away money on the internet to a stranger for something you already get for free sounds like a crazy proposition, but for now at least, save for the very largest shows, podcasts are sort of stuck in this space. The kind of incredible thing is somehow through Patreon, I find I have a much closer connection to my audience than I ever had before. I now have the Lap Storytelling Club for anyone who donates even a buck, and it makes it easier than ever for me to interact with the people that listen to this show, for them to interact with me, and to hear the stories of my life as they actually happen. Our very first video documentary, Minisode, was posted last month as well, and I, I try to give as many incentives as possible because I know how hard it is to actually get somebody to pause a podcast and to hit donate. You can make this show possible. You can be one of the few to pause and to support at patreon.com slash the laps. With that said, thank you and please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lap Storytelling Podcast, where we tell true stories gussied up. I'm your host, Kyle Jest. Today, we have a story that, if you couldn't guess from the title, is going to get violent. This is a sound-rich show, so fair warning. If you got kids in the room, yada, yada, yada. This episode is a bit different from the ones that we've run in the past because while it's produced by myself, the effects and the pacing of the story, this is not my interview. All the credit for this goes to the outstanding work of Megan McChesney, who runs her own storytelling podcast called The Lip. The original version of this story is The Lip's premiere episode, so if this episode does it for you, she's more exceptional storytellers on her show. Check it out. You can catch a link at the end of this episode. I'm calling this one... Mark Velvet Murder. See with your ears, this is The Lapse. You know, sometimes you meet someone, you don't have to know them for very long, but you just feel like they would be friends forever. (laughs) Nikki was married at the time with two kids. Mark was like your typical good catch He's from a good background, he had money, he had a farm, he was a hard worker. I guess you could say he was cute at the time. We went on holiday together, me and Nick and Mark and his brother and another couple of mates. Mark got a bit drunk, yelled at me, this is all your fucking fault. Chased Nikki out the door, she's outside the toilets crying. Because he'd come up and punched her, knocked her over and punched her in the back. She'd had enough. Court decided that Nikki would take the kids out there on a Friday night and Mark would bring them back on a Sunday. Mark was saying horrible things to Nikki when he, she dropped the kids off. Just the usual fat, fat slut, nobody wants you. you. So she started taking a family member. 
And then one night after work, she said to me, well, I've got to go and drop the kids off at the farm on Friday. Do you want to come with me? Every time we dropped the kids off, when we got home, we would go to the pub. That became our regular Friday night thing. Meanwhile, Mark starts seeing an escort by the name of Jan. I think her prostitute name was Black Velvet. Her and Mark had motorbikes, they went cruising. She called out there a couple of times. And then after that, she just kind of moved in. The money on the farm started going down, 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 down. We drove up the driveway and parked out by the door. Nikki got the kids out of the car and took them into the front door. At the same time, Jan walked around the back of the car and into the side of the shed. That was a bit weird. So I looked towards the front door and I saw the kids were being dragged inside and so was Nikki. And at the same time, Jan York got into the car with a shotgun, pushed the shotgun into me and said, get down, get down. So I got down into the floor area where your feet go. I felt the car drive into the shed. She had the shotgun pressed to the back of my head. Mark dragged Nikki into the shed by her hair, screaming. He said, where's that other piece of shit? They taped my hands behind my back really tight. And then they put Nikki into the driver's seat. They got a bottle of vodka and they made us drink. So they would hold our mouths open and dribble it between the two of us. There was like a little bit of vodka left in the bottle. I mean, I dribbled most of mine down the side of my mouth. Mark, maybe he notices. Because the next thing Diane knows, Mark is pressing a joint between her lips. It's the first time I've ever, ever had marijuana, ever. Mark moves from (laughs) Diane to Nikki. No matter what she hears, Diane can't see what's happening. I couldn't really, every time I looked over at Nikki, they would tell me to turn my fucking fucking head away. away. Here, says Jan, producing a small pill. You know, if we'd have met in different circumstances, maybe we would have been friends. You know, we could have been friends because I don't really know you and you don't really know me. We could have been friends. They put a tablet under my tongue. I, at the time, I didn't even know what that was. Absolutely no idea. Mark gives Jan a couple snaps. She turns. As she does. I spat it out. And then they left the shed for a while. I said to Nikki, we're in the shit, aren't we? And she said, yep. I said, will they go through with it? And she said, yep. They put pillowcases over our heads. I could feel them feeling for my mouth. And they put tape over my mouth on the outside of the pillowcase. I knew that they were trying to suffocate us so that we'd be like more pliable for them to do whatever they were going to do. They had gone to the Kaoponga pub for a drink to set up an alibi. 
breathing was hard, so I would poke my tongue out to get the tape out from my mouth so I could breathe. I'm not sure what Nikki did. I don't know if she did the same. I'm not sure. I think I must have passed out, maybe, because to me it only felt like 10 minutes. But the drive there and back, um, I reckon it would have been half an hour, 40 minutes. Just enough to be seen at the pub and, yep. No, I don't know where those girls are. You hear the shed door open. We knew they were back. They took the pillowcases off and then I could see them kind of whispering together. And then they went and got a plastic bag and they put it over Nikki's head, pulled it tight so that she couldn't breathe and I could feel hear her legs going up and down on the pedals. And that was Mark doing that. And then... And then Jan York went and got a brick and smashed it. <laughs> and smashed it on Nikki's head. She was still kicking her feet on the pedals and then they smashed her again on the head. Nikki just kind of slumped against me. So I kind of knew. They took her out of the front seat of the car and they put her in the back seat of the car and then Mark got in the driver's side back the car out of the shed and we were driving down the road. I slumped myself against the side of the car hoping that he would just think that I was out. I had this thought, oh I could open the door and jump out, I could do that. But I kind of thought I'm not exactly sure where it is or where I am because I'm not looking out the window. The street lights were on. Some of the shop fronts lights were on. I think it was about midnight. We drove out to the beach cliff top and I knew where we were because I'd been there before. Mark Goodwin got out of the car, dragged Nikki out of the back seat. Jan York had followed us in the other car. Mark came into the driver's seat again and he said, oh, well, we can't have that still on your arms. So he ripped the tape off, dragged me over into the front seat and shut the door. You can go no, home no. now. Oh my god, really? Is he really going to leave me there? I felt a jerking. I tried the handbrake, I tried pushing the foot on the brakes, I tried everything to stop that car.
and then I was flying over the cliff. I just like couldn't believe I was alive for a start. You know how some people say in certain instances of injury, you don't feel the pain. When the car landed, landed almost vertical and then rolled onto its roof, the door opened a bit and my arm was actually stuck between the door and the car. The full weight of the car was lying on my arm. With her free arm, Diane digs through her pockets. There they are. I found my smokes. I was so excited. There's a smoke. Yay. Where's my lighter? Oh, damn it. Damn it. Oh, the car cigarette lighter. Damn it. Duh. The car's not working. They're not going to fucking get away with this. I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to fucking get them. How can I get out of this? I thought if I cut my wrist off, I can pull my arm out. So I grabbed some shattered windshield, tried to cut that, but would never have cut through bone. But these are the things that go through your head when you're in survival mode. I'll just chop my wrist off, it'll be fine. Diane doesn't know how long she's been stuck. It's still dark out. But down there on the rocks, even though she can't see it, there's a sense that something is coming. The tide's coming in. The waves started getting higher and higher. Of course, you started getting a bit of water from the waves. I was holding my breath and thinking, oh God, I'll just take a gulp, of, I'll just take a gulp of, and it'll be over quick. The very next minute, the very next minute, a huge wave came in, lifted the whole car up, lifted me and turned me around. And my arm was free. I like to believe it was Nikki. I think the sun was just coming up because I saw boulders. I went over to one of those boulders and just hugged it. The waves were very, very strong. And I remember hearing a noise and I looked over and there was a bloomin' seal on the next rock over. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we were just like this and all of a sudden he went and took off. The walkway was round to my right. So I kind of went from rock to boulder to boulder. A couple of waves were really strong and I had to really grip the rock so I wouldn't get sucked out. There was like a, a little inlet and then some farmland up there. I took my jeans off and my jersey off and I started swimming it and I was halfway across and I was like, oh, what am I gonna do now? And that's when I saw there was a walkway up to the cliff top. Thank God for that. Getting out of the water, it was freezing cold, so I was only in my t-shirt and knickers. Walked up the track, 
I didn't have my glasses on because I'm blind without my glasses. And then I heard a a loud engined car and that's what his one is. And I thought, oh, he's come back. I huddled in the corner up the top trying to make myself as small as possible. There was like, like a farmer's fence post, that was it. I saw a man walking towards me and I, I, was, I had no idea. He walked down the walkway and he disappeared for a bit. Then he came back up. He sees her. Oh, you all right? And I said, no, I'm not. He took me to his farmhouse and he put me in the shower because I was freezing cold. Even when the ambulance turned up, even the grunty sound of that, I panicked and said, oh my God, it's him coming back, it's him coming back. And they had to reassure me, look, it's the ambulance, it's okay, it's okay, it's the ambulance. Nikki's brother-in-law, who was a cop, he arrived first and he said to me, where's Nikki, where's Nikki? In the coming days, Mark Goodwin and Jan York are placed under arrest. The police searched for Nikki's body around the car, believing she was in it too. But I kept telling him, she's not in the car, they took her out, they took her out. Without a body, they might not get a murder conviction. So with the support of Faye, friend of the family. They took me to the clifftop, and I remember thinking, nah, I don't want to go anywhere near that clifftop. You could only see, like, shattered bits of glass and blue paint on the rocks. But Faye held my hand and shuffled me up. This is going to help the police get those assholes. At the time of going to trial, Nikki's body was still missing. Mark Goodwin pled guilty on the grounds that he had left Nikki at the cliff top and somebody else had taken her away. But the evidence was so strong, his lawyer came out and said, OK, we're going to take a plea deal. Life in prison. Eligible for parole after 12 years. Jan York pleaded guilty. Just before sentencing, Jan York told the police whereabouts Nikki's body was, but she couldn't show them the exact area. So they went and got Mark out of prison, and Mark showed them exactly where she was. Life in prison. Eligible for parole after 13 years. It did knock my faith in human nature for a little while. Smells, sounds, the ripping of masking tape. Hate that sound. I used to be quite shy around new situations. I'd never go anywhere on my own. I think since this has happened, I don't know whether you'd call it, I just don't give a shit. I don't feel sad or depressed or anything like that. It's all anger against them. 
there's a lot of people that say that um, to forgive is divine and if you forgive then you know a weight will be lifted. I actually don't believe that. I did used to believe that but I don't now. Every other case that I see where a killer worms out of a sentence, it makes me so mad. I actually think that you can hold on to that anger and hate as long as you want. As long as it doesn't enfold in on you, it's fine. And as long as it doesn't cut you up, it's fine. Why should I forgive them for what they've done? What they've done is unforgivable. We don't want them anywhere near Taranaki, and they seem to be on our side. If the parole board comes back and says, yeah, he'll be right, we'll let him back there. If they come back and say that, oh, you know, his dad really needs the help on the farm, and I've already said, sell up the farm and buy somewhere else, you can happily live together, I don't care. Over my fucking dead body. Thanks again to producer Megan McChesney and her podcast, The Lip, where the original version of this story first aired. Diane has sought restorative justice for her attempted murder. Since then, Mark Goodwin and Jan York have both been released from prison. You can hear more about that and other stories on The Lip at thelippodcast.kiwi. Yes, that is .kiwi. The Lip is in fact a New Zealand-based show, if you couldn't tell from the accents. It is in its sixth episode, which just aired Go give it some love. Megan is continuing to scour New Zealand for more stories like the one you just heard. A massive thank you to this month's executive-level patrons Matthew Gibson, Leslie Miller, Priya Punwani, Lorinda Green, Rob Holcomb, Bren McDonald, Antonio De Silva, Cindy Crines, Patrick Freeburn, David McCaw, Daryl Kane, David Gaddy, Haley Burrows, and Jennifer Cherney. You folks are the reason that I can do this. If you too want to be part of making this show possible, I'm working towards an extra special episode when we hit our next goal for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash the laps. If you have a story to tell, please get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. I'm at stories at the laps.org. And if you don't have a story, you just want to keep up on the show. You can follow me at the laps podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, different posts on different accounts, follow them all to keep up with them all. And hey, if you're listening to this on an Apple device, you have an iTunes account, please, please, please do me a favor. Just leave a review on iTunes. Take 30 seconds. It's been a while since we've been featured, but an influx of new reviews will put us right back at the front in the spotlight. I read every single one of them, so uh, you might make my day. My name is Kyle Jest, and this was The Lapse. Thank you so much for listening.